practice I felt compelled to engage was pruning trees. Just think about it for a minute. I could have maybe tuned in even a little bit before that day when I realized that the contemporary reading that I chose talked about leaning into discomfort and vulnerability and a little bit about the lies we tell ourselves. That could have been a clue. Or maybe I could have paid attention when we had a little review of the worship lineup and I knew that Amy was going to sing that wonderful Peter Tosh song that talks about, I'm not here to live up to your expectations. It could have even dawned on me when we created the series all together about releasing the things that get in our way from connecting, encountering directly, being in the presence of God. Could have given me a little heads up. But no, I stepped out here at the nine o'clock service and I started to preach the sermon I had planned. And I hated it. <laughs> and yet I kept pushing, pushing, pushing. I know what I'm supposed to be doing here, God. Shh, just give me a minute. <laughs> no, no, no. I understand you have something else to say right now, but I'm busy right now. I'll get back with you on that. All through the sermon. I'm trying to push the words out my mouth and keep them coming, but they were not passing through my heart. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? Did I not take a whole day of pruning to prepare? Did I not read and write and pray and read and write and make beautiful graphed notations of the flow of the story and the meaning within it? Am I not a skilled preacher who knows what I am doing? I do not need God to interrupt me in the middle of my preaching to let me know that my expectations just might be full of nonsense. And that's exactly what happened. So you all get the uh, slightly revised version Yay, all of us. <laughs> because here's the deal. What I do know is these things are true. What I do know is there's stuff that I do that I put between me and staying authentic and between me and uncertainty and between me and God all the time. And here's the thing. I call it God. There are so many ways that I am running the other way and pretending like I'm walking right into God's arms. Sometimes I even do that by going to church. The Samaritan woman had no intention of engaging God that day. 
That was not part of her plan. She got herself up and got herself together and started doing the things she does. Her usual life. It may not have been the most wonderful life, but it was her life. And she was busy with it. And she was hauling her water jars and headed to the well. She had no way of knowing that Jesus was already there and thirsty. You know, sometimes we come to church. <laughs> you know, we just go to church. It's Sunday. We set our alarm. We make brunch plans with friends. We have a commitment to usher or maybe play some music. We get dressed in appropriate clothing and we say the appropriate things and we show up and we do what we plan to do. Haul in our water jars right along with us. We have no intention of actually meeting God today. We're just doing what we do. It may not be the most wonderful life, but it's our life. And we're okay with it. Little do we know that Jesus just might have gotten here before us. And he's thirsty. And so she shows up, kind of like I did at the 9 o'clock service. And she gets a little cranky kind of like I did. Because lo and behold, she had her plan and there's this guy there getting in her way. Not just any guy, a really inappropriate guy. You know, the guy that is nothing like her. Not anywhere in her world. He says to her, I'm thirsty. Give me a drink. And she says to him, basically, who do you think you are? Not really. Who do you think you are? <laughs> this is not how this goes here. I know who I am, and I sure know who you are, and we don't mix. You see, here's the thing I know. I know everything I need to know, which is who you are is simply what I'm not. And that's all I need to know. So we don't really mix. We don't have business with each other. So pipe down. How's that work? Ever happened to you like that with God? You show up and there God is. Asking something of you that you really aren't feeling. And you might have a moment of saying, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, just a minute. Me and God, we're like this. You stay over there and be all the stuff you are. And I'll stay over here and be all the stuff I am. And the stuff I am is not your stuff. And the stuff you are is not my stuff. And we'll just kind of stay like that. Because that's the way I do. I don't care if you're thirsty for me. But you see, God just is a little more persistent and inconvenient. 
maybe even a little rude, and much deeper than our surface play goes. And so Jesus says, so you think you know who I am. All right. Here's what I got to say. You don't know me, but I, I actually am your thirst. I am your deepest thirst. You think we've got nothing in common, honey? I live in you. Well, this is very troubling. Have you ever had someone try and tell you something about yourself that you are not ready to tell yourself anyway? Yes, you know that truth-telling business that's overrated when it comes to you. So she has that moment. She says, excuse me, just get back. I don't know what you think you're saying to me because I can see very plainly you got nothing for me. You're talking about drinking from this bowl. You don't even have a bucket. I don't know who you think you are, but you ain't got it. The well is deep, I just want to let you know. My well is very deep, and you don't have what it takes for the likes of me. In fact, you could just kind of keep yourself to yourself, because I actually have a God already. I already got it all worked out. You see, I inherited this really nice God, Jacob. He wrestled with him. He got a blessing, and they just passed that blessing on down. You know, I was sort of born into it. I got it. That's my story. It's good for me. That's enough for us right now. You're not the God for me. All better. And Jesus still finding this very interesting. He says, huh, so that's your story, huh? Well, guess what? I actually know your story. I know the story you tell, and I know your story. The part you don't tell, maybe even to yourself. So let's keep on with this. I'll start with, how's that working for you? You know, that God you inherited from somebody else's struggle. You know that story about who God is that you got from someone else's journey. How's that God working for you? You look a little thirsty to me. Oh, I know, I know, it works enough for you to do the things that your people did. It gets you by. How are you feeling on Monday, though? How do you feel on Wednesday night? By the way, what are you doing on Friday night? How thirsty are you then? Yeah, I know your story. You got it. You got everything you need. You're drinking deep. Except for when you need to take the edge off. You know, take a little sip here, a little sip there. You know, maybe it's a little jack tonight. 
and a little bit more. Maybe that's what you do and that's it. Or maybe that's what you do so then you can go out and get with somebody because everybody needs a little comfort sometimes. Maybe you don't do any of that stuff. You're good. You just get online. There's so many ways to drink online. You can be buying things. You can be sending pictures of what you wish you looked like. You can be pretending you have a husband or five. There's so many ways to quench your thirst. I know your story. And I know the part you're not telling. Because here's the deal. You're still thirsty. Drink up. Drink as much as you want. Because there's never going to be enough. That's what I know. But all right, sister. You've got your story. You got your half-truths. You got your little tiny bucket. And that's working for you. Great. Go get your husband. My husband. Yeah, go get your husband. My husband. Yeah, see, because you're acting like you're wanting something to quench your thirst. In fact, she says, doesn't she? Yeah, give me that water. You got some water for me? All right, fine. Give it to me. Give it to me so I don't thirst anymore and I never have to come here again. Fix me up. Get it taken care of. Square me away. And all right, I got gotcha. you. He says, oh, oh, oh. It's a fix you're looking for, all right. Get your husband. You see, she says, I don't have a husband. And that's the moment, isn't it? Now we think so many preachers preach this text like that's the moment of her shame. That is not the moment of her shame. That is the moment of her liberation. That is the water that she's asking for. She just doesn't know it yet. But he does. He says, indeed you tell the truth. Yes, that is true. You don't have a husband. You've had five and none. You've been thirsting and you will not let yourself really drink. Yeah, the fact is you don't have a husband. What's the truth underneath it? Can you tell me? What are you thirsting for that you are afraid to drink deeply of? What are you holding in a little tiny bucket because you're afraid of actually going deep in the well? Well, this little husband of mine, he pays the bills. We don't have much in common. We don't talk very much. We actually fight kind of a lot, but he pays the bills until he doesn't. And then now I have another one over here. This husband of mine, he loves me, doesn't have a job, depends on me. I have to work night and day to support us, but he loves me until he's with somebody else. Well, so now I have another bucket over here. Here's my other husband. 
we have some things in common. We like to spend some time together, but, well, he has another wife. Jesus says, yeah, if you have no husband, what are you really thirsting for that you are afraid to get in? Just like Brene Brown says, right? Here's the deal. We can take the edge off every kind of way we want. We can get a little of this and a little of that and quench our thirst just a little bit to get by. But we can be dying of thirst. We can have five husbands and never get married. Because we are afraid of what it would mean to let ourselves know what we really need and desire and want and long for. We are thirsty for intimacy, for commitment, for presence, for courage. For the adventure of discovering who we are in relationship with someone else. Oh, no, no, can't go there because guess what? I'm not sure how to do it right. I might get hurt. I might be bad at it. It might be true. I'm going to die of thirst. I'll just keep having a little sip over here of something else. You see, this is the moment. She admits her half-truth and doesn't know what to do with it. I have no husband. Now what? It's so scary and so raw and vulnerable. She does what I do. Maybe you do it too. She says, okay, okay, I just did it. I just did it. I just got vulnerable. Okay, God, make it better right now. Make it better. Tell me. I know you're a prophet. You have an answer for me. Give me the right answer. Do I worship on the mountain or in Jerusalem? Tell me the truth. Let me know how to get good right now. I need a certain answer because right now I'm really scared. I just opened up. I need to put it in a box and keep it safe. Tell me. What do I do? Give me the answer. But Jesus is not playing. He says, it's not about the mountain or Jerusalem. It's not about where you go to get the right answers. Don't you understand? This is about you. It's about you and me. It's about you and the deep well within you that I am going to fill if you let me. You do not need to go to the mountain or to Jerusalem. The Spirit is with you right now. What you need to feel safe is inside you. What you need to know, I will give you. Stop running around looking to other things and other people and old stories and other people's gods. You have it within you. You will worship God in spirit and in truth. Can you open to the truth? This is big stuff. And so here we are, we come, we dump our little half-truths, hoping that we'll be cared for. I will tell you, in spirit and in truth, you are already being made whole. She starts to get it. She says, yes, I do believe. I believe that there is a Christ, and the Christ is coming. There is going to be 
rescue for me, salvation for me. It's going to come. And when Christ gets here, he's going to tell me everything I need to know about it. So I'm happy to just sit and wait. <laughs> oh, Jesus says, um, I'm sorry. We're not putting this off any longer. I am here. I am here speaking with you. I know this wasn't part of your plan. I know that you were just doing your day. I know that you think you and God have got nothing in common. I know you think that somebody else's story or the little ways you bring yourself comfort are enough. I know you think it's sometime later or some other way or when you get the rules right or you figure it out. I know. I'm asking you to drop those buckets. I am speaking to you. Right here. Right now. I don't know if you expected to come here and have a conversation with God. I realize today that I wasn't. I was doing my job until I got interrupted. I'm hoping you're feeling interrupted. And I'm hoping you know that that interruption is the resilience speaking itself in your life. It is the wholeness rising within you. It is the spirit and the truth, which is your birthright and your blessing. It is the deep well of wellness that is available to you if you let go of the buckets you're holding. Our story ends with her running off to the people saying, come, come. You told me everything I ever did. Could this be salvation? She says to her friends and her loved ones, she says, let's move together. I just spoke the truth about myself because, well, he made me, but I did it. Could this be what saves me? Come, let us go see. It just might be you and God day.